Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're on the Philippe Matthews Show, and I have um, a man that will be known as the last shaman. Uh, he is an absolute uh, uh, intuitive uh, spiritual genius. His name is uh, William White Cloud, and he is the author of The Last Shaman. How are you, my friend? Very good, uh, Philippe. Uh, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm honored to have you. Um, <clears throat> love the work that you're doing um, in the world, and um, uh, particularly uh, as it relates to uh, intuition and uh, magic and mysticism, I think it's fantastic. What I did want to ask you uh, in reference to your book I thought was uh, fascinating. Uh, in the book, you, you, you say this book is dedicated to my brother George, who showed me the crack in the wall. I thought that was interesting. i like to start there. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good place to start because that is a reference actually to how I came across the story. I, for a long time, because this, this book is, uh, The Last Shaman is a, is a sequel to my uh, number one best-selling uh, metaphysical book, The, the, the Magician's Way. And, yeah. and so I, was, I wanted... I wanted the story to convey the advanced principles that I convey in The Last Shaman. And I was looking for a story, and I, I had to wait for quite a while. And then one day I was visiting my brother in South Africa, and he introduced me to a man named Victor, who is Africa, absolutely Africa's leading expert on rock art, on, on Bushman paintings, which is a mm. fascinating subject. I mean, they go back 27,000 years. And Victor took me out into the field, and he showed me these cave paintings, some of which were 6,000 years old. And, you know, I grew up with these paintings. I used to see them all over the place. And we used to think that they were, you know, the etchings of a primitive society depicting their clan warfares and their hunting stories, painting their hunting trophies. But, you know, uh, this man, Victor, disabused me of that whole idea and notion and explained to me that in every case, each one of these paintings is a depiction, almost like a, a documentary, of a shaman journeying into the other world for the purposes of either rainmaking or healing or divining wisdom. And they go into these trances, and then they go into the other world. And on the, on the uh, actual rock faces, they always choose a rock, a, a rock wall that has a crack running down the middle of it. And so... What happens in this world is painted on one side of the crack, and then what happens in the other world, the, the spiritual world that they go into, is painted on the other side. And so they go uh, through this crack, through this glitch in, in uh, our normal self-conscious reality, and they go into the other world, and they do whatever they have to do on that side and affect a, a harmony in the other world, which then creates a, a corresponding harmony in our world, gains wisdom or bring rain, brings rain or brings healing, etc. And uh, so that that reference there to my brother George, who showed me the crack in the wall, um, is a reference to that because he gave he he gave me the the in into into the story. And I just thought, what a brilliant um, way of conveying these principles. If I could take my character Mark Vale and send him on an otherworldly journey into this world where he would divine all this wisdom and knowledge and, you know, affect changes within himself that would then have this powerful beneficial effect on him in the real world and, uh, you know, for, for himself, but also then for the whole community that he was a part of, that he is a part of. And it's, it's, it's just such a great metaphor because I'm not a shaman and I didn't know much about shamanism, but now knowing what I know about shamanism, 
It's a, I think, it's, uh, you know, Philippe, I, I believe it's a really great metaphor for where our consciousness, our society, and, and we as uh, people who seek empowerment in our lives, it's where we're going because, you know, to, to, to live our highest potential and live in accordance with our highest de- destiny, we've got to become shamans for ourselves. We've got to heal ourselves and we've got to divine wisdom for ourselves and, and the wisdom to, to follow the guidance that, th- that is there waiting for us to follow to, to that potential and, and destiny. I love this. Uh, I, and, and, and what it does is it kind of takes me back to your original, your childhood journey. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, there was a, a, a moment uh, that happened to you at age eight uh, when you started going to school uh, that began to change uh, your uh, ability and love for magic, uh, and 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 then you came out and and met an Australian mentor. Take me back to those to, to that time uh, when you were a child, and and it's kind of metaphoric too because we all have that supernatural innocence, if you will. Yes, no, we do. And I, I was born into a into a garden of Eden, a literal garden of Eden. You know, out in the wilds of Africa. I grew up in a little country called Swaziland, and, and, you know, when I was born into it and my first years in that, it was a completely undeveloped region. To give you an idea, when my father drove out there in his Land Rover to set up in, in the area that he was contracted to develop, the track that he was driving on, and, and I'm not talking about a road, I'm talking about the track he was driving on, ran out a 100 miles before he got to where he was going. And after that, he was just driving through thick bush, you see. And, wow. and, 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 you know, it was teeming with wildlife, with lions and leopards and, you know, baboons and elephants, you, you name it. It was just teeming with wildlife and also wild people, people in their uh, original condition. The, the Africans, the tribesmen there, the Swazis that lived in that area were still conducting clan warfare with spears and, and clubs and that when, when I was a child and dressed still in skins and, and they were living just the way they had lived uh, 2,000 years before any Western or European settlers arrived there. And the thing about that is not only are they delightful people, I mean, you just won't find better people uh, than, than the Swazis. They're just the most wonderful race of people in the world. But going back to that time especially, they were still steeped in their old traditional way of thinking and, and their traditional worldview which was a very supernatural, uh, mystical, spiritual worldview. The way, they saw, you know, the way they saw self-conscious reality, waking reality, the, the three-dimensional world, was just something to be seen through to the supernatural forces that play in the spiritual world on the other side. So in other words, they actually, in a sense, did have a shamanic uh, view of the world. And, and it was my, it, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was my worldview. And it's what, how I saw the world and how I thought about the world. And until I, I as you mentioned, referenced there, Philip, when I was sent to boarding school at eight and suddenly in these colonial um, and also quite Christian, orthodox Christian orientated, uh, um, you know, model of, <laughs> of the world. And mm-hmm. that, that, that side of me was stamped out. I mean, I very quickly learned that what I thought about the world and how I thought I was and what life was about and what was to be appreciated about life, I very quickly learned that I, I was totally wrong about everything I'd ever absorbed, you know, and that, you know, I had to very quickly adopt a materialistic view of life and uh, get a purpose that was in line with the progress that the whole machine of Western society was marching to and that, mm-hmm. you know, it was a materialistic world uh, in, in every sense and, and also a very capitalistic world. I mean, I, uh, I'm not condemning our society or anything, but but it was just the world that I grew up in was it was incredibly materialistic and capitalistic, and it was that was all that life was about. And so then, you know, I did my best to fit in with that and and lose my original birthright and worldview and and way of seeing life. And the thing about that though is that I believe now in retrospect I understand it because I became very ill and I acquired an incredibly debilitating illness that took me to my deathbed, that, that in hindsight I recognize as a, an illness of spirit, you know, and, and so then 
in in the healing of that illness, I, through that process, I came back to my original ideas about life and 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 recognized what I'd had there because the way I live now and what I support people in now is very much in um, in the process of having the ability to see through. Uh, you know, our self-conscious, rational perceptions of life through to what's really going, for our, going on for ourselves as individuals um, and, and what's going on around us and, and to be able to, you know, kind of see and, and relate to uh, everything around me and, and teach other people to do the same at a much deeper level so we can respond much more appropriately to life and as a consequence, have a much better experience of life, of well-being and, and productivity and everything. Actually, to be now you had an Australian mentor um, when you were when you were working, and I think this was before. Uh, you tell me if it was before or after your illness, but he kind of taught you how to magically predict markets, and he was really an influence uh, in you, uh, if you will, rediscovering yourself. Well, I- exactly. I mean. I was in um, the, the commodity markets and, and then after that the financial markets, you know, trading money markets and, and you know, stock markets, bond markets, that sort of thing. And um, this was before, what well, was at the start of my illness actually, uh, to be honest, and, and, but it was my first sort of introduction back to my old way and, and it was very exciting for me because my mentor, my, my trading mentor, um, was given to using profoundly, uh, uh, you know, metaphysical um, models for predicting market movements, and and he was brilliant. I mean, he won world trading championships on on the Chicago Board of Trade and and that mm. sort of thing. So you know, there was no doubting his ability, and it was all based on these very uh, esoteric methods. And so that that excited me greatly because. Suddenly, I was reconnected to this, you know, the, the, the metaphysical forces at work behind um, what everyone perceived to be, and and it was just so great because everyone that was using these orthodox methods, these these rational and mechanical methods for analysing the markets, these these very rational uh, models, it didn't come close to this man who was, as I say, using these profoundly esoteric uh, models. So. That uh, really piqued my interest, but you know, I was still only applying it to um, my capitalistic orientation. <laughs> and my yeah, and so you went through wasn't, it. Wasn't yeah. helping me. <laughs> Sorry, you went this. through this place where you really your soul almost, in a sense, became lost. I mean, you had a bout with substance abuse, loss of loss of marriage, and as you said, you had this uh, disease that, that you know took you to your deathbed. Uh, walk us through that uh, that journey. Well, you see, I, I became even while I was I was trading the markets and and becoming interested in in you know this, this esoteric way of looking at things. As I was saying, I, I still only applied it to my materialistic orientation in life, and I just became ill. And I, I had a ten-year illness, and, and it just started out very mildly, and and then ended up extremely uh, badly for me, where I was you know literally literally on my um, deathbed, and in in all of that, I, you know, I mean, I just hit a rock bottom in every area of my life because I there, there was no no one who knew what was wrong with me and, and could um, heal heal me or, or help me in any way. I was self medicating with with substances. My marriage broke down. I became, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't work in the end. I was financially ruined. So just at every level of my life and every aspect of my life, I was absolutely at rock bottom and, and in the end receiving deathbed counseling. But then what happened was that I met a man, a young man actually, much younger than myself, who was uh, a fitness instructor and, and he was a strapping young man, like really uh, well built and, and super fit. And we got talking and of course the subject very quickly turned to my health because it was very obvious that I was on my last legs. And just after a very quick time, this young man said to me that he knew what was wrong with me and that he had suffered from the same thing. When he told me what he had suffered from, 
what he explained to me, what he described to me was exactly how I was feeling and what I had been going through. So I knew without a doubt that, that he was um, sincere about that. And he told me that he had the cure for me and that if I followed his cure, his prescription anyway, that I would be healed in, in, in a matter of no time. And he says, suggested to me that the cure was eating red meat, uh, drinking white wine with my meals, having a few cups of coffee every day, and smoking a few cigarettes every day. Now, the thing about that is, is that in 10 years, I'd seen hundreds of healers and medical practitioners and that, and not one of them had ever you know, given me any hint of what could be wrong with me. But I can guarantee you the one thing they would have all agreed on was that this was complete nonsense what this man was saying. And not only nonsense, but actually a prescription for suicide. That, that is, you know, would definitely take me over the edge and, and kill me. But I didn't, sure. I, I didn't care at this stage, Philippe. You know, I, there was something, I, because of this man and what he had described to me about his condition, that, that, that I could relate to him. There was something believable about it. And, I, you know, I just went, you know, what the hell? I'm going to let go of everything else I'm doing and, you know, hanging on to here. And I'm just going to do this. I'm going to, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out, <laughs> to go out eating meat and drinking wine and having a smoke like a guy, you know, in front of a firing squad. They always ask for a cigarette. And, and I thought, you know, that's me. And, and the thing is that within days I was better. Sure, it took me a couple of months for me to put back on my original weight and for the, the sores on my body to heal and, and that. But just generally, my energy levels, my memory, uh, you know, the he tension headaches went, uh, the, the, all the symptoms disappeared in, in days, not, e not even a week. But here, here's the thing about that, Philippe, is that from that experience, I never, you know, and I've spoken about this a lot and thought about it a lot, I never for one minute ever thought there was any efficacy in the substances themselves, that there were any healing properties in the meat or the wine or the nicotine or the caffeine. It just dawned on me like a, like, I don't know what, a, a flash of light, like a blinding flash of light. It was impressed on me that there must be something in the way that I focused that created my experience of life because for 10 years I've been focused on being sick I've been so, you know, stressed out about that and uh, desperate about that right from the beginning, right to the end. And, you know, I've just been clinging to this fact that I was sick and that no one could help me and whatever. And then when I just, you know, let go of that preoccupation and just relaxed and, and uh, you know, just went into a restaurant and ordered a steak and enjoyed a glass of wine for a change, suddenly everything changed. And I didn't know how that worked. I just knew that there was something behind it. But what that then compelled me on, that what that then really inspired me to do, was to understand this principle that I believed was at work uh, in, in life and in, in, my, in my consciousness. To understand it so that instead of creating my hell on earth that I'd been creating for the last 10 years, to actually create my heaven on earth which then I, I did. I, I, I very quickly learned uh, powerful lessons, and, and still to this day I continue to learn. But very quickly I learned powerful lessons, and I was then able to use that principle, that our focus, that your focus creates your reality, that I was able to use that to turn my life around and, and, and create a sustained uh, positive experience of life that, that continues all the time to, to build momentum. And, you know, just... My life then, and, and you know, perpetually basically, rather than taken down to uh, the, you know, to the gates of hell almost. Now you, as a result, study uh, hermetic philosophy, um, and many of the ideas of Robert Fritz and the founder of uh, uh, technologies for creating. How did that come about? Well, you see, when once I made the once I made the intention to to learn about how this um, principle works, this, this idea that your focus creates your reality, which I only had a vague understanding of. I mean, I didn't even have the vocabulary to describe it as such. The first person that ever mentioned the words you create your own reality was my accountant because we were having, you know, we were doing my books and he, after a long period of me not being able to do my taxes and, and, and books uh, and that, because I just didn't have the mental capacity to do it, so we were catching up, 
And we were talking about my recovery and my realizations and that. And I was trying to express it to him as best I could. And he just turned around to me and said, oh, so you, what you're saying is that your focus creates your reality. And I was like, yeah, that's it. How, how did you know? So he just laughed and he said, well, didn't you know that? I mean, there's a whole worldwide movement um, mm-hmm. starting to teach that all around the world and uh, their workshops and, you know, so... Uh, through him, I was introduced to some introductory work because with that strong intention to learn about this, I was very, then I very quickly attracted the teachers and the learnings that I needed to uh, acquire to get a handle on all of this. And so those were the first uh, teachings that I was actually drawn to or introduced to. Uh, were On the one hand were, were the teachings of Robert Fritz, who wrote the book, The Path of Least Resistance, and had a business called Technologies for Creating. And, and really, you know, um, his work is very much about how you set up structures of consciousness that then compel the end results that you're seeking. And in, in, a, in quite a mechanical uh, and, and, and logical way, and rational way, uh, there's, there's nothing mystical uh, and hoo-ha about Robert Fritz. He's, he's, he's a real meat and potatoes man. But then also, uh, and his work is brilliant, but then also um, at the same time, I, I was uh, attracted to or attracted into my life uh, teachings of a, of a, a deeper, more spiritual and uh, metaphysical uh, nature, and, and specifically hermetic philosophy, which I immediately fell in love with and have subsequently learned that academically speaking, it, it really is the alchemy par excellence that that out, you know, out of alchemy, the, the art of raising our vibration, of, of turning our egoic lead into spiritual gold, um, that you know, out of this whole um, model and, and process that, that actually uh, hermetic philosophy is, is considered the, the, the supreme alchemy and, and teaching around how we can use our mind and our focus um, to you know, create a, a much richer uh, and fuller experience of, of life, actually. So you realized when you were when you were uh, had your illness and 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 when you know, if you will, your soul had went to this <coughs> dark place and dark side. What you realized coming out of that uh, when you began to, to take the uh, heed the, the the advice of, of of this personal trainer and. Uh, and, and do something so totally radical to healing uh, that you realize it was just a story and that something happened uh, in your brain where you moved to a part of your brain where you realized that it was a story, you were running the script, and you had the power uh, to change and alter the script and the story. Very much so. Um you, you, I mean, you, you, you can't imagine how right you are there, Philip, because I haven't, you know, said all that there is to say about this. But the thing, a, a very important factor, I believe, in retrospect, looking back at it, is that what this young man, Greg, said to me, he said, they are killing you. If you don't stop going to them, they are going to kill you. And you've got to stop listening to them, and you've got to stop doing uh, what they tell you to do. And, you know, at the end of the day, everyone was just doing their best to, to, to heal me and help me, and they can't be uh, faulted at all, and I, I don't have any blame in that direction. But the thing was, the, the important distinction was, now in hindsight, looking back, what I recognized was that I had given all my power away, and there was a message that I was giving myself was that I didn't have any power, that there was nothing I could do for myself, that there was someone bigger, someone more powerful, someone with more knowledge, someone with more degrees, someone with more credentials that must be out there <laughs> that can save me. Someone else had the power. Someone else had the cure. And, you know, I, I see that now, that I had rendered myself utterly powerless. And what I did in the end there, I now also see, is that I took the power back because it was a moment when I was with Greg and talking to him, and I had this realization where it was nobody there, nobody out there can help me. In fact, the very idea that I've got to rely on them 
is counterproductive. This is what he means by they are killing me. Actually, I'm killing myself by giving them the power. And I'm going to take the power back. I'm going to eat some food. I, you know, it's, it's like I have the power to, to, to heal myself. There's, there's, there's actions that I can take. There's something I can do. Now, now, walk with me on this, William, because uh, you're, you're, you're hitting on something that, that is uh, really the crux of all of the work that, that you are doing and have done, and that is uh, that whatever it was that got you out of that bed and uh, took you outside to change that script and story, did you, would you say that you went from what most people would call a belief to a, a level of knowing because we, we understand that beliefs can change. But when you, when you move into a state of knowing um, that, uh, you know, mountains move. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of what happens to you from a, just even a neurobiological perspective. I mean, exactly, Philip, exactly. I did. I did go from relying on a belief in a sense, relying on a knowing. But the one thing you can definitely say was I suspended a belief there and a reliance on that belief and an attachment to that belief. And as I described it, the belief really, you know, and I recognize this now, and I've done a lot of work on myself, and I now actually appreciate that there was that script running in me, that there was that story, was that from way back I had acquired a story that I didn't have the power, that I would always have to rely on someone, you know, and it, it, I mean, it is very personal, but I, I can tell you, it, it goes back to that original condition that I lived in in my childhood in this Garden of Eden. But, you know, the way in which I grew up, uh, because we were the only European family out there, all alone and isolated amongst all the natives, there, there, was, a, there was a condition and a belief and a fear from my parents, you know, that with all the, the natives and the wild animals that, that easily be gobbled up and, and uh, wiped out in this environment, and that I should stay hidden and, and sort of behind them, and that they would be my protectors, and, uh, you know, that um, I, I shouldn't stray out of, out of their sight and out of their protection, um, because otherwise um, there, this was a dangerous world out there. And, and so this was, kind of taught you not to live your life on purpose and to play full out. I beg your pardon. What is that? Uh, I say so that 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 uh, way of raising kind of taught you how not to play full out in life and live your life on purpose. It, 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 exactly. It was. It was. It was, it was a, you know, it was very much a a message that you you can't cope on your own. So mm -hmm. if if there's any condition. Uh, that's negative out there. You're not going to be able to cope on your own. You, you must look for the reliance of someone bigger than you. And so, you know, that, that's what that, that's the belief I took on. And then that's totally what I played out when I became ill. And uh, you know, it, it my belief nearly killed me. But at the same time, also, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for it because I thank God for it because it led me. To this amazing realization that I've that I've now come across, and that I've learned to understand it at such a deep level and employ so powerfully, and then through 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 the work that I do and the books that I write, um, you so know, about, I convey that about, empowerment to others. Yeah, talk to me about uh, uh, this a little bit deeper because uh, this is absolutely fantastic. Um, so so let's give a scenario. Um, uh, a person who has uh, a, a chronic illness, chronic back pain, um, a person who has uh, a chronic financial struggle, um, a person who has uh, chronic uh, a bad relationships, <clears throat> how do they move uh, that part of their brain from the belief to the knowing? How do they get up out of that bed and start to... Uh, uh, smoke their cigarettes and eat their meat every day. <laughs> how, how to walk us through a little bit of that? Of 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 what's in between that 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 uh, part between the belief and and the knowing and 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 changing that script and story. What what I love about my own story, uh, Philip, 
is is that it makes no sense at all. You see, it, it, it's totally crazy and irrational. Um, and and you know, it it always gets people because it has such an impact on people because it is just such a crazy story and and just so irrational. And there's a way um, in which the answer to any problem that we have in, in our lives is actually irrational, doesn't make sense at all, not, not to our rational minds anyway. Because the thing is that I've learned, Philip, is, is this, is that, you know, the problem that we have in life is that we actually have a problem-solving orientation. We, we actually believe that life is a problem to be solved. We're faced with circumstances, we're faced with situations in our lives, and the way we see things is that we actually, that really the meaning in our lives, you know, the, the, the meaning we have for our lives is to resolve our problems, resolve our situations, resolve our circumstances. And to us, it just looks totally logical. We're without money, so we got, well, but it's logical that we've got to make some money. We, we're without health, and so it's just logical to us that we've got to fix that. We, we haven't got love in our lives, then it's just logical to us that we would need love, that everybody deserves a partner, that, that kind of logic. And it, it just seems so, we assume it, it's so apparent that what we've got to do is fix our problems. But here's the thing is that the part of us, well, let me put it this way. The, here's the thing. Our problems were created by us. Anyway, but by our belief. So, you there, Philippe? I'm here, I'm here. Oh, yeah. So the, the problem in the first place was created by our beliefs. Our beliefs created the circumstances, the situations we're in. And the very fact, the very factor, the very function of then addressing the problems and working on the problems is what perpetuates the problems because we go like, we, we try to work it out. We go, well, you know, here we are faced with the circumstances, situation, which appears to us, is apparent to us, that we desperately have to address it. Otherwise, it's going, to, you know, it's going to get worse for us even. And so then the part of us that believes that, that, we have to, that we have a problem and that we have to fix the problem is the rational part of us which created the problem in the first place. So in, in referring to, to that part of ourselves, to referring to our rational brain, referring to our rational mind, um, we're just referring to the part of us <laughs> that created our belief systems and that whose answer is to refer to our belief systems for the solution. And so it only presents us with the patterned way of thinking and the conditioned way of thinking that, that just keeps us in our in our pattern. Where we so it might, keeps us in a loop. It keeps us in a loop. Keeps us in a loop, keeps us in a pattern. And and you know, for a while we might make a bit of money, we, we, we might uh find someone we like, uh but we'll we'll oscillate. We'll we'll that because we we in there given power to that pattern to those beliefs, um, we 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 actually going to we, we we're always going to be we'll have a tendency to go back there. You'll see the smoker will give up smoking for a while. They'll go back to smoking. The bad habits will persist. The the health con the health conditions might be cured here, but they'll break down further down the road. So it's, it's as you put it, Philippe, it's, it's this loop that we're in, this merry-go-round, this negative cycle that we keep ourselves on. And the thing about it is that this is what I was saying to you. The answer to it is, is crazy, it's illogical, it doesn't make sense to the rational mind, but it is the highest answer, it is the powerful answer, it is the empowered answer, is to get out of our problem-solving orientation and actually not be, not be guided in our life not not have the meaning be of our lives be fixing what's wrong with us, but actually going beyond that and coming to what it is that really matters to us, aside from our problems. What what is what is it that we love? What is it that truly gives us meaning? What is it that really matters to us? And actually put more power in that, put more focus on that in that and and, and attention on that and go for that. And when we do, we then uh, dissolve, or we take, certainly anyway, we take the power out of our beliefs, and mm -hmm. we enter into a new territory, uh, a creative territory, an inspired territory, where suddenly the, the separation and the limitation in our consciousness anyway 
dissolves. But even self-consciously, we start to start make, we start to uh, we begin making connections that were always there for us to make, but that we couldn't see in our limited thinking. We start to see possibilities that are there. We we open up and we flow towards another realization in life. And uh, you know, this is this is the fundamental. This is the fundamental difference of of being truly healed uh, and and just fixed, really. So this is where the magic is. I it, mean, what it, you just described is the magic. It's it's absolutely the magic. It's you know, in in one sense, I would say that magic. What what almost defines magic is end results that we didn't have the imagination to believe uh, that that were possible. You see, and and so. This is this is the this is the foundation of magic and it's it's orientational, and 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 here's the thing that I think is is pivotal in all of this, is that everybody nowadays kind of knows that uh, your focus creates your reality. We have a lot of uh, knowledge about the secret and the law of attraction, and so it's common. People know that our focus creates your reality, but <clears throat> only on a very simplistic level where they think, oh well. If I if I focus on a car, or if I focus on a pile of money, or if I focus on health, or if I focus on a on a good relationship, that will come into my life. But I mm-hmm. know from my own experience, and also going around the world and talking to thousands of people, that that doesn't work for them. That shallow level, it it, it either doesn't work, or it makes things worse even, or it works sometimes and and not other times, because. The deepest level of understanding that your focus creates your reality is another kind of focus, really, which I've just described now. It's it's an orientational focus. It's are you focused on fixing your life, solving the problems of your life, working your life out, or are you focused on truly what matters? What what are you focused on? What truly matters to you? What you truly love? Are you focused on receiving your life? Are you, are you living in an open way where you allowing life to come in and support you and and guide you and lead you, or are you operating in life in a way where you're trying to control it, dominate it, fix it, work it out? And 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 essentially, if you haven't got your focus sorted out at an orientational level, at a foundational level, such as I'm describing now, then you're going to have very little success on the shallow level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. This is incredible. Um, you, back in 1996, created the Living from Greatness program. How has that how has that morphed uh, into uh, what you're doing now with the Magicians Way Foundation and many of the other trainings that you give? Well, um, you know, in, in as you say, in 1996, I, I, I created the Magicians Way trainings, and the, at that time, it was the sum total of basically I put into it the sum total of, of what I knew back then, which was never the, nevertheless very advanced and uh, conveys everything I'm, I'm talking about now. Essentially, even going back that far, my, my trainings are very comprehensive. I mean, to give you an idea, even since 1996, I was running year-long trainings. People came and, and did a, a weekend every month for eight months and then some work in between that as well. Because I've got a very comprehensive model that that covers, you know, a, a lot of aspects of life and uh, metaphysics and uh, creativity. But essentially, our work is is distilled can be distilled down into two themes. One is the me- mechanics of creating, or you could call it the mechanics of manifesting, which is how you set up focus and you know in such a way that you create a, a, a structure in your consciousness that then compels the end results of your choice. And also, so that, that's the one theme. And then the other theme is intuition, because it's all very well and good having a, a mechanical idea about creating, but you also need the wisdom to drive the creating, because if you're not aware of where you're coming from, if, you're not a, you, know, if, you, don't have to, if you don't have the ability discern which orientation you're, you're operating in. If you can't dis- discern whether you're now 
actually coming from that whether you're now in your fixing orientation, your problem-solving orientation, if you can't distinguish that from your soul orientation, your heart-driven um, orientation, then you can get in, you can get really stuck and have real problems. So it's got to be driven by wisdom and intuition is our God-given mode of awareness that gives us that wisdom to see through ourselves, see through life, see what forces are at play, and then gives us the power to, uh, you know, self-consciously uh, assign the power where where we want to assign it and where we know it's going to lead to the greatest good. And so that's why that's why these are these the the, the two building blocks of, of all the work that I do and, and, and that I teach. And uh, all that's happened between 1996 and now, really, is it's always been like that. But, you know, I've just all, uh, refined my model over that time, Philippe. So this is, is part of uh, the shaman's uh, journey uh, in the book and uncovering uh, or rediscovering these seven secrets of magic. Exactly. Well, you see, the, the, the original book, the, 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 the Magician's Way, was the book that conveyed the seven secrets of magic. And uh, the, the mechanical aspects, if you like, of creating, how, how we is going to structure our consciousness. But, but that, also, that, that then didn't cover what is covered in The Last Shaman now, which is very much about the intuition and about the wisdom that then drives that that creative power, and so the the last shaman then as a story is is the the character the main character Mark Vale who's learnt all the mechanics of uh, creating but still doesn't have the wisdom that that drives it and so he goes on a journey now and he learns uh, all about intuition and and you know its, its benefits and and how how one applies it and and its power and you know so. It's a story about that, but also in, in one sense it's a, a teaching and a training in that, and, and I think a, a really good one because what I, what I know now uh, is, is why stories can be so effective at teaching people, uh, you know, what, whatever is there to be taught, is because when someone reads a story, while they at some self-conscious level realize and appreciate that this is a story and it's not about them, there's a deeper part of their mind that can't make that distinction. And, and so when you read a story, and even if you go to the movie and watch a movie, there's no distinction in your mind between yourself and the character. That's why you go, at, at some, sometimes you, you, you scream out in the middle of a movie, don't go into that room, you see. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you, you identify with it so strongly. So when you read a story, your mind actually, at, at, at some level, takes it in as if that's you. So not only do you just take in the information, but you actually, through reading the story, practice it. So it's a, it's a very profound assimilation. And, and, you know, I mean, I've written these... Uh, storytelling came to me accidentally. When I was writing the first book, I wasn't... I actually was set out to write a textbook, but it just turned into a story that I went with. And, you know, it turned into a great story, thank God. It, it became Australia's best-selling metaphysical book, Ever, but that was totally accidental. But I thank God for giving me that ability and sending me that gift because it is just such a great way of conveying uh, teachings, and, and you know that would otherwise and can be you know quite turgid and, and even uh, boring and, and, and tough to digest. But when, when you uh, relate to them in an exciting way. Um, you know, you you, re, you really appreciate their power and, and their effectiveness, Absolutely. and are and are inspired and enthused. Absolutely. Well, you know, you also bring to life uh, the book uh, and your teachings uh, in uh, real life, uh, experientially uh, and transformationally. With you have a seven day uh, master your destiny course, uh, and then you also have a fourteen. They stole safari. Talk to us about those. Oh, look, I love to talk about them. The, the seven, the seven day master your destiny program is uh, very much an assimilation and, and of what we're talking about here, and an, and an initiation into 
these two areas that I uh, talk about now, um, which is the mechanics of creating and then the intuition. It, it's, a, it's a very deep, firstly, it's a ve- Master Your Destiny is a very deep uh, training in intuition so that you can, you know, I mean, for, not just for party tricks, but for, a, for the very specific purpose of self-realization and, and really discovering deep down in you who you really are, what you're really about, what truly matters to you, what your true destiny and, and direction in life is, so that then obviously you can follow that. Because unless you know that, you can't follow that and you can't ever become that. It's, you know, the, the universe is constantly sending us accidents and synchronicities, trying to push us on track, but it can't live our track for us. It's, you're not going to live your life accidentally. Your, your, your highest destiny accidentally. You're going to have to create it, which I mean by that is you're going to have to realize what it is and then act in favor of it on a, on a daily basis, actually. And so these are the tools that I'm giving people in Master Your Destiny, and hence the title. It's, it's not a, a, a marketing gimmick to, to come up with some fancy-sounding uh, name. In fact, I actually shrink from, from the name because it can sound really commercial and uh, wowy. But, but it, it's just, I have to use that title because it's exactly what it is. It's, it's just so appropriate. It is about mastering your destiny. So that's what that's about. But the two-week, the 14-day soul safari is the absolute ultimate uh, destination with me. It, it, it's the, the highest thing anyone can do with me. Um, I take people on a 14-day uh, travel through the area I grew up in, which is, I, I grew up in Swaziland, and then uh, Swaziland is surrounded by, well, in, where I grew up, surrounded by parts of so- South Africa and also Mozambique. So we travel into those regions, and as it just happens, not only is it where I grew up, but it's also some of the wildest, most pristine wilderness in the world. I mean, right on the border of the farm I grew up on is, is the Kruger National Park, the greater Kruger National Park which is the, the, the biggest game reserve in the world. I mean, it's just this, in kilometers, it's, it's 335,000 square miles. It's, it's just this, it's, wow. it's this enormous area, the never-ending. And, and you go in there, I mean, and it's just as wild as, Philip. You can't believe it. If I took you there and I dropped you off a, a mile from the camp that we're staying at, you, you wouldn't make it back to camp five times over. You know, something would... <laughs> If, if four things didn't kill you, the fifth one would. It, it is just so wild. But, and, and, and this has a profound experience with people because we also meet wild people. And by wild people, I mean natural people. People live in uh, very truly, uh, true to their nature, very, very naturally and very innocently. And between those people and the, the wilds that we go to, the wild animals and, and the land, because this is in the Great Rift Valley of Africa, mm-hmm. uh, where we all originated from. So, so there's some, the energy there is just incredibly powerful. And between all of those things, and also the teachings that I, that I um, you know, conduct there, it really has the effect of taking people back to who they really are and realizing what life is you know, just really about. And one of the powerful things about that is that what I teach people, what people see, learn through that experience very powerfully that they can then use as an incredible foundation for their lives, an incredibly empowering foundation in their lives, is this realization that the definitions that we hold in our consciousness is what creates our reality. Firstly, it creates a, uh, a perception, and then that perception creates behaviors, which then attracts a whole experience of life. And so it's a, it's a learning of what people see at a very deep level, what they have. Uh, so it's not just going on this incredible safari and having these incredible wildlife experiences, but it's a deep coming home to the self of, of recognizing what uh, limiting definitions that you've attached to yourself that mm-hmm. then you know, create these realities and how you can actually then um, be empowered to assign yourself and, and others in the world new definitions and, and make up a new definition for yourself. So it's, it's kind of like you see, you, you realize just how, at a very deep level, what your 
old myth is. And you make up a new myth. You make up a new, you develop a new framework for understanding the meaning of your life, which is about following who you are and what you love rather mm-hmm. than resolving your identity, which is the old myth. I'm loving this. I'm absolutely loving this. You'll have to come with us. You'll have to come with us one day. Oh, absolutely! I, I would, I would love it. Um, uh, what we didn't do is give away uh, your web address of how people can get in contact with you to, to uh, uh, not only get the book but also to enroll uh, in these in these uh, life changing classes. What is your web address, uh, William? We, we got so carried away. <laughs> But uh, William Whitecloud, www.williamwhitecloud.com. It's as simple as that, williamwhitecloud.com. And uh, thanks for mentioning that because it, it's the best destination to go to learn more about the very subject that we're talking about, uh, about where, you know, the books, where they can be bought. There are even free chapters for the books. And, and there are uh, a, lot of, a lot of information on what I'm doing and what I'm up to. But also, again, you know, quite quite a few free res- free resources for people to plug into that really support them in living this, uh, uh, you know, soul inspired way. Absolutely. Now you also have what's called information nights. What is that? I beg your pardon. Information nights. Did you say? Yes. Oh well, it, they're just um, you know evenings that where where I give a talk. Uh, you know, basically discoursing on the very subject that we have uh, been conversing about here and, you know, p- giving people a, a, a good basic insight into magic, um, w- what it means for, to their life and, and how they can uh, tap into it for themselves. And, and funny you mention that because right now, and I've been working on it today, and after we finish talking, I'm going to carry on working on it. I'm actually... Um, working on on a new uh, information night or or I'm actually not even calling it an information night anymore because there will be little trainings where you don't just come and listen and and, uh, hear a bit of a lecture but actually engage in in an interactive experience that really gives you an experiential sense of this. So I'm going to expand on it a little bit and uh, I'm very excited about rolling that out and as soon as I've uh, constructed that, uh, completed that. I'm then going to put up the, you know, I'm going to create a, a little tour and put up the the dates on that on my website. Fantastic, uh, William. What I'd love to do because I can talk to you forever um, about this. Love to have you come back on the show. Oh, thank you. I'd I'd, I'd love to do that. And I, I know that uh, we we could have a lot to talk about and. <laughs> I'd love to interview you one day, and and because uh, I know you you have a lot of knowledge and wisdom to offer me for sure. Um, well, I, I, I would be honored by that, and uh, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to share some time uh, with me. I know for a fact, uh, in a, in a much bigger way, that the world is far greater and better uh, because you showed up this way uh, at this time. So I just want to thank you for recognizing you uh, and the need uh, of your humanity uh, impressed onto the world. I, I just think you're absolutely fantastic. Thanks. Thanks so much, Philippe. Thanks for supporting me and, 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 and my work and, and being a magician yourself, you know, De- deeply, repre- deeply appreciated and, and big respect. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, God bless, and uh, we'll talk soon and get you back on the show. Thanks. Uh, God bless everyone who's listening.